Welcome to the Go All In podcast. I'm your host, Rob Bruss. And today on the show, we have Lisanne Murphy from the Midas Touch Social. If you want to know what it takes to get to the next level in your business using paid Facebook ads, then this is the show for you. Let's get started. G'day everyone, I trust that you're well and you and your family and your business are doing well in these crazy pandemic times that we're all going through. Now I'm not too sure what it's like where you are in your part of the world, but here in Australia, the folks down in Victoria in the southern state are doing it really tough and I wanted to remind you that if you've got some people in your network, in your family or in your extended family that are struggling with a hard lockdown or with the consequences of this pandemic, please reach out to them. Even if you haven't spoken to them for a few years, reach out and say hi. Don't underestimate the power of a reconnection with an old mate, a colleague or a family member. We're much better together as a society and we're certainly stronger together. So make sure you take a moment to check in on your mates and your family as well. Now, if this is your first time here at the Go All In Show, welcome. It's great to have you here. And if you're back for more, welcome back. We love our repeat offenders at the Go All In podcast. Before we get into the show, just take a little peek at your phone and hit the subscribe button on the app that you're listening in on. And if you're watching this on YouTube, just scroll on down and hit the subscribe button there. And don't forget to ring the bell. That way you'll always have some motivation and some Go All In love right there in your pocket. Lastly, if you like what you hear today, please share this episode with your friends and your family. Lisanne has an important message to share, and she's got a pretty epic go-in story as well. And if we can help just one or two other people to break through their barriers and to get unstuck, then Lisanne and I would have done our job here on the show today. Alrighty, let's get into this. As I mentioned at the very top of the show, Lisanne is a, a Facebook advertising expert, and I wanted to have her on the show today to dispel some of the myths surrounding making money online. Now more than ever, people are looking for a way to make money online to either replace or supplement the income that they have. And Facebook, and more specifically, advertising on Facebook is a natural place to start. There's a lot of rubbish out there and it can be super hard to cut through all of that noise and all the BS that's there, especially if you're just starting out or if you're not sure what it is that you're doing. And Lisanne will not only share her story of going all in and breaking through, but she'll dispel all of the BS around that to give you a clear understanding of what you need to do to succeed with Facebook advertising. I'm excited she's here, so please help me in welcoming Lisanne Murphy. Lisanne Murphy, welcome to the Go All In podcast. It's great to have you here. Oh, I'm so excited to be here with you, Robert. Thanks so much for having me. No problems at all. I'm looking forward to this conversation today. This is something that's near and dear to my heart, online advertising, entrepreneurship, and doing whatever it takes to be successful online. But before we get into any of that and have that conversation, let's get to know you a little bit. Why don't you share with the audience a little bit about you, where you're from and how this all started for you? Yeah, absolutely. So I am from Utah. Well, I'm not from Utah. I've actually lived all over the United States. Uh, and my my dad is from England. And so everyone's always like, where you're from? And I'm like, I'm, I'm a... I'm a regionally and geographically confused individual because my dad's from England. I've lived all over the United States, but I'm living in Utah currently and loving that. And most of my family members live nearby. So that's, that's phenomenal. Um, I've been a full-time entrepreneur for just a few years now. I've always had the entrepreneurial spirit in my heart though. I, as a little kid, I would go and I would buy candy at the grocery store and then I would resell it to my friends at school until the principal <laughs> caught me and told me to knock it off and, and stop. And that's not entrepreneurship. And, that's a little bit of a scam going on there early on. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so I, I was, I was always like trying to, to push the limits and find different ways to, to, to make money. And in high school, I never had a traditional job, you know, like flipping burgers or bagging groceries or anything like that. I, I taught private music lessons. I was a musician at the time. And, um, it, when the movie Titanic was really popular, I would, I was really into art. And so I would, I would draw pictures of Leonardo DiCaprio and then sell them to my friends who were like swooning all over Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> and so my entrepreneurial journey started really early, but I got sucked into the traditional uh, stream of everything. I, I, I went to college. I actually have two degrees. I have a, an undergraduate and a master's degree uh, and both I use in my business currently, but I got swept into the corporate world for about 10 years and worked in the training and development space and then eventually ended up 
in the marketing space. And it wasn't until I saw the power of Facebook ads and the power of analytics that I just really, really caught my attention. Uh, but even in my adult life, I had two entrepreneurial ventures that I started and both failed miserably. <laughs> and really what came down to the reason why both failed is that I had a lead problem. I did not know how to get the leads to fill and sustain my business. And for a while I thought, well, I guess I'm just not cut out for this entrepreneurial thing. And so I was even considering going into academia and getting a PhD and, and all these things I've, I've done, I've done a lot of things, Robert. And so when, um, when I realized that I didn't have to just rely on leads to magically happen, but I could create them through Facebook ads and, and from my experience and learning about them, I, I, I mean, you know, the podcast, I went all in on that and I just haven't, haven't looked back since. So, I mean, there's a lot of details in there in that, but that's really like where, where I came from in my start and I've been all over and now I have the blessing of using all of those variety of experiences in my business currently. Uh, yeah, but it, is, it. it has been a journey. Hasn't it what, right? And, and when somebody asks you that question and you recount it like that, it's like, yeah, that's like only like 5% of it as well. There's so much more to it and there's so much detail that goes into it. But really, you know, it comes back to that cliche that you're the sum of everything that you've ever learned and done till now. And you never be as young as you are right now as well. You know, they're really sort of important little funny cliches that get you there and, and help you to arrive there. Like you, I've been really lucky to work in the startup space a whole bunch as well with people in my digital marketing agency. I don't do that so much anymore. I, I help startups in a, in a different capacity, in a different type of way, rather than with the practical execution stuff. It's more around the mindset stuff and getting yourself set up for success before you dive in and go all in on something. You've got to have a, got to have a plan to do that, right? And I, I found that that's a bit better a, a niche for me, but I've seen lots and lots of people have incredible ideas, but being unable to join the dots between their idea and the customer. And that is a, a problem that you can solve with advertising. And oh, unfortunately, absolutely. people don't know how to close that gap. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, you know, I just, I was talking to someone on, on my own podcast this morning and she just brought up again and again and again, the importance of getting feedback from your customers in order to understand what to offer next and how to deliver more value. And I think sometimes we get so sucked up in what we're passionate about and what our own ideas are that we forget that we're not the one consuming our stuff. Like, mm -hmm our customers are. And so if we don't create things and pitch things and give things with them in mind, then, then we're just shooting ourselves in the foot. Yeah, totally. I, I'm really, uh, I really want to geek out with you here about analytics and Facebook ads and all that sort of stuff in a minute. But before we get there, before we get there, let's get to know you a little bit more because Lisanne, people come on over to the Go All In podcast to learn more about others that have gone all in. So if you could, mate, could you please share with us your biggest Go All In story or stories and the lessons that you've learned from your commitment to success? Yeah, well, I love when you asked, when you asked me that question of like, like have a Go All In story prepared. Um, I actually, I had two um, and so I have, I have one that was the, the beginning of my journey with entrepreneurship. And then I have another that of what happened when the world went into a pandemic. So I don't know if you like want me to pick one of those two or, or do the recent one. Let, let's both. talk about it. You know, it's a podcast. We can talk here for hours if you want. I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. So, and this, this, so this is filling in some of the details of, of my story. So, um, when I was in the middle of my master's program, all of my peers were going and getting internships and okay? they were going and getting internships so that they could get their, their desired job after their master's degree. And I just, I wasn't necessarily digging the internships that were available. And I said, all right, I'm going to go and create my own business. And so I cashed in my 401k from my corporate job that I was doing before my um, master's program. So this is kind of like a mini all-in story before yeah. the real all-in story. So I cash in my 401k to start a real estate investing business. I had watched this webinar and was just completely sold on this. And I was like, oh my goodness, like anyone that's rich in this planet, it's because of real estate. This is the future. I've got to get my hands on this and give it a shot. And what, what better 
way to like spend my summer than starting a company, right? Like there's no better way to, to, to spend a summer than, than starting a company. But what I, di I didn't realize a few important, important things. One is that like I would only ever rented, I'd never owned a property, let alone like bought and sold other people's properties and negotiated contracts between buyers and sellers and found uh, cheap product, cheap houses on the market that had a big margin so they could be fixed and flipped. And mm. it was just, I was jumping into an industry. I was way over my head, like just <laughs> deeply, deeply over my head. And of course this webinar, you know, oversimplified the process where like, it's totally easy. You just connect a buyer and a seller and you take a cut between the two and, mm. uh, and then you're rich. And, um, <laughs> I just, I mean, I bought into it and, um, went all in and paid for this really, really expensive coach. And, and I did all the marketing tactics. I did, you know, the bandit signs and I stuck those like all over town and I did spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on mailers and, and got special lists of, of homes that were for closing or, um, properties where the owners had passed away and the families were trying to get rid of them. I mean, I did, I, I was on my, the, the local classified uh, ad sites and, and looking for homes that were cheap and for sale. And I was networking with buyers and I was going to restaurants when we could go to restaurants and there, you know, those, the, the, the networking events back in like the, the conference, the, the big conference rooms behind there. I mean, I went all in on this thing and I, 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 one, I didn't understand the industry Two, I didn't understand how to get leads. And three, I realized that like starting a business is hard. Like, mm -hmm. It is not something that you can just like willy nilly do on the side. Like if you're not passionate about it and you are not all in on the idea, it is not worth the work. It really isn't like it is just, it is just so tough. So needless to say that business completely sucked me dry. I took every penny that I had. I literally did not make a cent. And so I went back to my master's program with my tail in between my legs. And I was like, I didn't do an internship and I didn't really do anything. I tried, but. But you did. All, that was that was an internship. All like, life. <laughs> I know, right? I know, right? It, it was good, but at the time, I just felt like the biggest loser on the yeah. planet. I really did. Like you it filed. was, it was just rough. Yeah. So, at th this point, I had, and and, and the, one of the reasons why I was in my master's program is I had gotten in a fight with my manager at my last corporate job, and so I was like, okay, corporate's not for me. Entrepreneur is not for me. I just lost all my money doing it. And so I was like, okay, academia, that's like, that's, that's gotta be it. So Safe. I, yeah. So I, I dive all of my time into research and preparing to go get a PhD in organizational behavior because I love human psychology and human behavior. Mm. I was planning on studying life callings because I'm so passionate and I still am, but I'm passionate about why do people do something that they're passionate about regardless of how much money it's going to take. Like why do people follow their passions? And, um, when I was, when I was applying for PhD programs, um, I had an opportunity to work for a marketing company. I took that opportunity, but I was still planning on applying for my PhD program the next year. So I kind of extended that lag. So, so at one point, so a couple, uh, this was in, 2017, I believe. Um, so I was working a full-time corporate job. I was doing part-time research, preparing for a PhD. And I was personally just diving into Facebook ads and understanding them because I just, I thought they were so cool and passionate. And I had a friend approach me and she said, Hey, I have this business idea, this opportunity that I think that your skill set in marketing would be a perfect, I would love to be business partners with you. And so now I'm like, oh my goodness, I have, you know, I was, I was blessed with options, but sometimes options are hard, right? And mm. so I had the corporate job, I, have, I was studying for my PhD, and now I have this choice to be an entrepreneur. And I had been preparing for my PhD for two years at this point researching, going to network events. I had been working at this corporate job for two years and was set to rise in the ranks there. And so like I had the, like those courses were, were definite and set, but this entrepreneurial thing came up and for whatever reason, Robert, that entrepreneurial bug bit me hard. And I was <laughs> like, what do I do? And I had this identity crisis because I had put so much energy and effort into learning about uh, this, how to how marketing works in a publishing sphere and, and preparing for a PhD program. And then this, 
this opportunity comes up and like one week later, I'm like thinking of throwing it all away to dive into this <laughs> entrepreneurial venture with this friend. It sounded like and you were I, in love with it. Yeah. Well, I, I wrestled with it and I yeah. was just like, I don't know what to do. I did not know what to do at all. And so I took a weekend to really think about it. And I, I'm a religious individual. So I prayed quite a lot. I wrote in my journal. Um, I spoke with my parents. I spoke with my closest friends and, and really like my gut was just like, you have to try this business. Mm -hmm. So I made the leap. I went all in to start this business with my, with my friends. So I quit my corporate job. I canceled my applications. I had to call professors at like London School of Economics and Harvard and say, I'm really sorry, but I'm actually not going to apply this After year. Like there were, there were relationships oh. that I had built. Yeah. It was, it was rough. So I dive into this entrepreneurial venture and I have a few, like by this point, I have a few private clients for Facebook ads where I'm running their ads and we're having great success. Um, so two months into quitting everything and jumping into bed with this business partner, um, she gets diagnosed with cancer. Oh my and so we have to dissolve the entity so that she can focus on her health. Yeah, sure. Which is of course, you know, like I can't, her health was primary and, and, and so that's what it was. But so now at this point, so I quit everything to do this. And then the one thing that I go all in on just completely falls apart for okay. causes outside of my control. Yeah. So now I had to make the real all in decision, which was, do I trust myself enough to go all in, not just in the business of Facebook ads, but in on me, everything else had someone else tied to it. The, the corporate job, I had the, the business to rely on my PhD. I had my professors to lean on this entrepreneurial venture with my friend. Like she was the initiator and mastermind of the project. And now it was just me. And so I had the decision. Do I, okay, do I one more time go back and think about a PhD? Do I go back to corporate or do I stand up inside myself and really own this identity that I've been kind of creating on the side as being a Facebook advertiser? And Robert, at that point, I really did decide to go all in on me and trust that this business would be the, that the third, the third one was a charm for me. Um, and, and just have built this multiple six figure advertising agency. And I've just been so blessed to work with so many really cool clients and help people with Facebook ads. Um, and yeah, so the rest, the rest has been history since then, but it was a series of like mini all in moments that like came to eventually not just going all in on adventure, but all in on myself. Why do you think, why do you think that we don't get taught as kids to trust ourselves? Is it because adults don't give us enough responsibility or we're not faced with really big decisions as children? Because well, I think all adults face the same thing. And that's, that's the hard thing about being an adult, right? Is you've got to make these decisions and there's no one else to help you. You've got to, you've got to have faith in yourself and you've got to have, you've got, you've got to be able to trust yourself. But I've made so many incorrect decisions over the years as an entrepreneur, over 20 years of being an entrepreneur because I've rationalized stuff. And my gut says to do it, do it, do it, or don't do it, don't do it. You're going to get yourself in trouble. And my head goes, nah, man, it'll be all right. We can solve that. We can work around that. We can fix that. We can do that. And then you make a commitment that's opposite to what your gut is telling you because you rationalize it in your mind and you go, boom, and it falls flat on your face. And it's like, damn, I should have just listened to my gut. And it's really hard to have the foresight to know what that is. And I'm just interested to know, like, why is it that you were, you were struggling to, to trust yourself? Yeah, that's a really good question. Well, I think that, um, I, I, I grew up, I grew up as a really confident kid. Like one of my favorite stories that my dad likes to tell about me is when I was, when I was 18 months old, he put me down for a nap and I did not want to go down for a nap. <laughs> And as an 18 month old in my crib, you know, I like grabbed the top of my crib and I was like, you can put me in here, but you cannot make me sleep. And I literally had this like stare down competition with my dad and my dad was standing there on my crib, just like, you know, like you can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. And I'm just staring right back at him. And, 
And the story goes that my mom came in and was like, are you like having a stare down contest with an 18 month old? Like, what are you doing? You You know? (laughs) And so I've, I'd always been this, um, very strong willed individual, but I think that, you know, going back to your, your, your question, I, I do think that as youth, youth are more risk taking. I think it's as we have hard knocks in life mm. that it beats us down. And if we don't learn to let go of that trauma, then we carry it with us. So like, for example, I, um, I, I was a musician in high school and I actually started my college career as a musician. And, um, when, I was in the beginning of college, I had some injuries that made it so I could not be a musician anymore. And I was devastated because like I was planning on being a rock star. I was a drummer. And so like my plan was to literally like travel the world for music and be a rock star. So, and so when I was injured and, and that talent was like in my mind at the time, it was like taken away from me. I was like, Oh, I, I chose 10 years of my life to completely dedicate to this craft. And then it was just yanked. Mm. And then my corporate job where I, I had had conflict with my manager, I was so bought into the mission of that organization and what we were doing. I was so sold on it and I was planning on being a lifer in that organization. And I, w- I, I was literally, I was overconfident to the point where I shot myself in the foot. And so I didn't, I didn't consider that like, like taking your boss off probably isn't the best idea if you want to stay mm-hmm. at a job for a long time. So I did some things to tick him off and he let me go. And I was shocked. I was like, me, you let me go. Do you know who I am? You know, I mean, it was, it was very, um, it was very ego driven at the time, but those couple experiences that I had in my life was just like, well, I chose a hobby that didn't work out and it was taken from me. And I really loved this job, but I just, I messed myself up by ticking my boss off and so I guess maybe I don't make the best choices. Like, can I be trusted with something? Can yeah. I be trusted with, with like running an entire business and having teammates rely on me for the source of their income for their family? Like, can I be trusted? You know, I, I think that those things, I, I carried them longer than I should have, honestly, yeah. if, I'm, if I'm just being really honest with you. Yeah, it's a really good description as well. I think part of it as well, I don't know what it's like for you as a, as a woman, because I'm a man. And I have no experience of being a woman, (laughs) but I I do know, I do know as a man that men often define themselves by what it is that they do for a job. And as an entrepreneur and a business owner, often you don't really have a title and it's like, you're all things to everything in the business. You know, you have to be the bookkeeper, the accountant, you have to be the salesperson, the ads person, the copyright, you have to be everything. And so there's no real one definition. So it's pretty hard to define what it is that you do. I was in the military for a long time and I know a lot of people uh, in the infantry would define themselves as grunts, you know, and that, and they would wear that as a badge of honor of drinking beer to your fall down and waking up drunk and going training at five o'clock in the morning, you know, quintessential infantry type stuff. And I never really, uh, I, I, I love, I love the, the cliches around. It. I love the lifestyle around it. I loved, I love defining myself by that, but it wasn't until I left the military that I thought, hang on a minute. I, I kind of actually hitched my identity to that job title and it took me a long time. And that's, you know, you hear about people transitioning from the military and after 10 years, you hitched your, your identity to your job title and what it is that you do for a living. That's a really deadly thing to be doing. And it took me a long time to transition out of that. And my experience in the military was just unbelievably positive. I had the, the most amazing time. I had the most fun time with my friends. I traveled the world with a pocket full of money, went on operations and I did all the things that you would want to do. But when I left, it was sort of like my identity was taken away from me. And it took me about five years to really know myself. And when I finally, I had a similar experience to you with, with my agency as well after, I don't know, since 2007, I've been doing building websites and building apps and running AdWords campaigns and doing stuff. I've been doing it for a long time. And just a couple of years ago, probably similar to you about 2017, I decided I didn't want to do it anymore. And when I got on the other side of that and I'd made that decision, it was very, very liberating. But I don't know, maybe people listening and watching this will, would kind of empathize with the feeling of liberation also has another feeling associated with it, which is usually trepidation. And it's like, man, this is liberating to be free of that thing that I don't want to do anymore, but it's hell scary looking 
down the barrel of the unknown and now I've got to create that for myself. And I think you develop the emotional muscle and the emotional intelligence to actually deal with that as an adult as you move forward. But it's really, really hard to do. And I wanted to say, you know, well done for, for making that transition and taking that leap because that is a big goal in moment. You know, it's not really a health challenge or, you know, a, a loss or grief or something like that. But when you go through that personally as an individual, and I can attest to it, what you've gone through is some of the hardest things that you could possibly do in your life. And it takes resilience and it takes like grit and determination. And most of all, the ability to trust yourself is, is a really big thing. And I, I just wanted to kind of put that out there and share that with you and, and just get your, your comments on it. Yeah. Well, I, I, first of all, I, I love and, and respect your story. And, and I do think that, that um, I think that this life is, I think we have a series of events where we need to learn to define ourselves outside of constructs that will melt away. You know, mm. like, like we often define, like I defined myself as, as I was Lisanne, the drummer. Right. And when that was taken away, I was like, I'm like, I'm just, I'm just Lisanne. And for whatever reason at the, at the time that wasn't sufficient. Right. And I've watched my mother go through the same thing as she's now become an empty nester. Right. Like being a mother was like her whole identity. And like, she's still our mother, of course. But like now that the kids are out of the house, like it's been hard for her to find out like, who is she? And it's the same thing. I mean, like I, I, I fall into the same trap with, with my business, you know, like I, I'm an entrepreneur and I do wear that as a badge. Yes. You, like you say, like we wear 10,000 hats. And so it's like, what is your role exactly? But I take a lot of pride in the fact that I work for myself and I, I live my life, I live my life on my own terms, but I always am trying to figure out how do I anchor my identity in my core truth of who I am outside of things that are going to go away, mm. uh, going to melt away. And that's, that's a, that's a continual practice. Um, and, and it's really important to do it outside of, um, like you brought up going all in, like in a health journey last year, last year was, it was last year was a huge year for me, but I, I, um, decided last year was my year of physical health reclamation. I, started a paleo diet and I lost 70 pounds last year and really just took my health back. And at the beginning of my journey, one of, one of the reasons why I really struggled to take off the weight is because I was so unhappy with who I was because I was overweight and I felt like crap. And it wasn't until I learned to detach my identity from the number on the scale that things yep. actually started to move. But at the time I was like, how can I, separate my identity from the weight. Cause like, I'm not myself. Like I look in the mirror and I'm like, who is that person? That's not me, you yeah. know? And so it, it, I think I really, I really just think it's a lifelong battle to learn to detach ourselves from, from the things that aren't permanent. Um, and, and that's rooted a lot in my religious beliefs as well of just that, that I do believe that we are eternal beings that we existed before we came here. We're going to exist afterwards. And so, this, this period, this period of our existence is for us to try to figure out who we are eternally. Mm, and if you can't figure it out, you get another go at it. So don't worry. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we still worry so much, right? Yeah. We still worry waste like a ton. Before we move off this, I wanted to share something else with you as well, which I thought was really important. And it goes to the very heart of what you're saying about know thyself really is what you're saying is, you know, you, you don't associate um, your identity with your job title or the weight on a scale or some other metric that you're trying to measure yourself by. And the really interesting thing that I, I learned in the last day, and I hadn't heard it put like this before, but you would know these numbers when I say it to you, you would have heard stats like this before. And it goes something like this, that 60% of businesses that kick off and start don't even see the first 12 months. And about, I think, it's, I think it was 30% of the businesses that do make it, make it to five years. And only about 10% of businesses that made it to five years will make it to 10 years. And statistically, only in Australia anyway, only 6% of businesses are ever sold. And I heard those stats because I freelanced for another podcast and we were talking about small business, we were talking about finance and it was a completely different subject. But it really 
kind of stuck with me and it stuck with me for a couple of days now. And, and I thought to myself, one of the mistakes that people make in business is they pour their heart and soul into it and they end up defining themselves by the business. And the fellow that I was interviewing, he was saying that that's the mistake people make. And what you should do is use your business as fuel and use the fuel that the business creates for you to create the financial future that you want for yourself. And the mistake people make is thinking that, oh, the business is really profitable. I'll take the money out of it and I'll do this and I'll do that. And they're not, they're not using the money as fuel for their future because they forget that statistically the numbers are against them. And I thought about that for a couple of days and thought, there's nothing wrong with being all in on your business and loving what you do and loving all of those things. But if statistics are against you, it kind of puts you in a bit more of a mechanical mindset to say, all right, I look at my balance sheet. I can see my numbers. I can take that profit. I can invest it over there. It's going to create a new revenue stream. Or if I create a new product over there, that creates a new revenue stream, which can be outside the scope of what I'm currently doing. And you can bring that together and, and to do those things like that as well. And it was just a reminder to me, and I wanted to share that with you and with the audience as well, that even if you've got a business and you are an entrepreneur, the numbers are against you. Don't forget that. And there's nothing wrong with putting your heart and soul into it and loving every second of what it is that you do. But just remember to be methodical about pulling the cash out of your business and actually investing it and doing something with it outside of the business that you got, because it might not last forever. Yeah, I, I, I love that. I'm actually reading a book right now called Built to Sell by mm. John Warlow. I don't know if you've ever heard of that book or read it, but he talks about how you should build your business so that it's sellable, even if you decide not to sell it. Mm. Because it's a business that's sellable is something that is bringing in consistent and, and um, what's the word that he uses? He uses, he uses it cons consistent and uh, net profit that can, that, that can be valued at a multiple because that is where you can really take it out and invest it in other places if you keep the business or sell the business to, to be able to cash out. Um, and so I've been thinking about my business even just in the last month completely differently because I think because we're so passionate about what we're doing, we often center all of the business operations around our expertise to keep us at the center. Yeah. Um, and that is, I think it's a very naturally occurring thing, especially for those of us entrepreneurs that are control freaks, <laughs> but it is a terrible, terrible strategy in terms of you legitimately setting up the future that you want and, and creating the life that you started being an entrepreneur for in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, it's so, so true. So unbelievably true. And you should set your business up so it should be sold anyway, because then it will be profitable. Yep. <laughs> that, that's yeah. just a, a, a kind of a no brainer, but I think people forget that in small business, especially where you're just going from, from one sale to the next and it's a bit of an eat what you kill type mentality. And there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. That's part of being in business, but you know, it's not sustainable over the long term as well. Yeah. Lisanne, I want to move off all of that stuff now. And thank you so much for sharing your insights and your stories there as well. They're wonderful. And it's a great and timely reminder not to kind of define yourself by what it is that you do for a job. And I really appreciate you sharing that and, and being so giving and sharing with the audience. So thank you for that. My pleasure. My pleasure. This, right, is, I wanted this, is, to, this has been great. Let's keep going. Let's geek out. I want to, I want to geek out on, uh, on this Facebook stuff. Before we do that, why don't you tell the audience about the Midas Touch and what it's all about and, and what it is that you actually do and how you help people join the dots between uh, a great idea and a great business and more inbound leads, which ultimately leads to sales and ultimately leads to success financially in a business. Tell us about how you do that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so I am, I am a a geek on all things Facebook paid advertising. I love the opportunity that Facebook gives to allow us to advertise. I mean, Facebook is a cultivator of humans and they, from the beginning, have just done an amazing job of capturing human behaviors so that you can target and capitalize on people that are on that platform. There are 1.6 billion active users on Facebook every single day. Now, that doesn't mean that you have 1.6 billion customers, right? You're going to have a segment of those, but, but even a small percentage of those can make you a very, very wealthy individual. So Facebook ads are a little bit different than traditional marketing for, for a couple of reasons. One, it is what it, the biggest reason is that it is what we call pattern interrupt marketing. So what that means is like normal, normal marketing is you are trying to capture people that are interested in something that have expressed interest. So like search engine optimization, 
with like SEO, with, with Google, with YouTube, people are looking for something like how to start a business or how to make six figures or whatever. And their search results will come up and, and that's, that's a pay-per-click type situation. But the other side of it with Facebook ads is what we call pattern interrupt marketing. We're getting in front of people as they're standing in line at the grocery store, as they're on a commercial break watching television, as, I mean, let's be honest, we all do it, as we're sitting on the toilet. Like, that's when we capture people's interest and attention with ads. And so we have to speak in such a way and think in such a way of like, if I am pulling someone out of their activity, how do I grab their attention and keep it and push them through to, to the sale? So my approach with, with the Midas touch, I, I, I love the, the story of King Midas and how everything he touched turns to gold, is that we focus on the ideal customer and understanding them at such a deep level that we know how to, that, that when, when, when our ad comes across someone, they're like, whoa, that's me. Whether they're looking for a solution consciously or unconsciously, we want to pull their attention in. And so I have a whole dream traffic method that I run all of my um, clients and, and um, clients through to help them understand exactly who their dream customer is so that when they put those pattern interrupt ads out there, it grabs the right attention and pulls them into, into your ecosystem. And then whether they buy immediately or you nurture them um, through a Facebook group or through an email sequence or through content with a podcast, like whatever, uh, you're, you're getting those people um, in so that they know who you are. Lucerne, tell me about analytics and looking at the platform and finding audiences because there's so many gurus that are out there and I know that you like analytics and that's something that you're into. There's so many gurus out there that I've seen over the years in digital marketing and, and I'm pretty proficient with all of this stuff as well. So I, I can talk your language and I can have that conversation at a deeper level as well, if you like. So I love that. But the vast majority of people that I come across that are Facebook ads experts are not analytics experts. They don't understand data. They don't understand why that works, how that works. They don't understand retargeting properly back through the Google display network, through perfect audience, ad roll and all of those other places. And so they always seem like one, one trick ponies. They seem like they're, they'll show you how to do good creative, they're good at copywriting, but they're missing the other 95% of what is really important in that space. And I have a lot of people that listen to this show that are in the startup space. So this is an ideal audience for you to kind of showcase your skill set if you like. And I know that people have said to me many times before, both online and offline at networking meetings and all sorts of stuff, they say to me, oh, I came across this person in on, online and I bought their course for $500 and they've got all this and I implemented everything and I did everything and it doesn't work. And inevitably I just ask a couple of questions and say, well, you know, do you have your audiences set up in analytics properly that push over to AdWords? Do you have your Google tag manager set up correctly? Have you got custom audiences set up in Facebook? Is, is the data connecting from your website to your actual Facebook campaign? What about your, your emails and your opt-ins? If somebody's hitting up against a page, against the checkout page, but they're not seeing a thank you page. Are you showing them another ad to bring them back to the checkout? And, and people are like looking at me with blank stares on their faces. Like, no, they, they taught me how to press the buttons and move the levers in the, in the business manager. And that was it. And there's a big disconnect, right? So I'd love to hear your views on analytics and all the other integration that goes into the back end of it. Cause creating an ad is actually pretty easy to do. The platform is really intuitive. It's simple to use and you, you can kind of read the, the line items of what they need you to do, but that's only 5% of it. The other 95% of it is the psychology and the actual implementation and execution on the back end. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it, it's just fun to even hear you speak those terms and speak my language. Um, I can tell you've, you've been around the block once or twice. So, and I've crashed um, a couple of times in the way as well, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So uh, I love how you bring up, you bring up a number, you brought up a number of couple really important things um, in what you said. First of all, it's so important, you know, every, every time I bring a new team member into my agency to help us be able to scale the work that we're doing, they are always amazed at how little I actually do with the ads themselves and how much I do with, like you said, human psychology and analytics yeah. and, and looking at the whole system. What people don't realize is like in their mind, they separate, they separate the ads from their selling system. 
and their offer. Like those are just all separate pieces. And what they have to realize is that the ads are an extension of their sales funnel. Uh, and, and they're not, they're not a separate piece. Like you, it is totally possible to have great performing ads that totally suck in terms of bringing you money because the landing page isn't congruent or the webinar, they get lost or even just for something silly, like the page takes too long to load. And so people aren't sticking around long enough to let the website even pop up to have an opportunity to interact with it. I mean, it can be anything from a psychological issue to a technical issue, but you have to look at ads as an extension of, of the funnel. So we track every single piece where an action is taken mm -hmm. for a customer and we understand what is the fall off rate at each of those places. And we have a specific calculator that's like, okay, based on all the levers that we could pull, because you're never going to get a hundred people that see your ad and a hundred people that buy, like that's just impossible. Um, but understanding, okay, like if, if we're losing 50 people on the first action, we'll say we lose 10 people on the next action and all the way, and it gets all the way down to like, we're barely using, losing anybody. Like where is the biggest lever for us to pull? And we want to find out how can we get more people through to increase our conversion rate. So in order to understand that you have to set up your tracking properly. Mm. I, th that is, oh my goodness. I, I just brought a new pixel expert onto my team who's, who's, she's not a pixel expert yet. Cause I wanted to, I wanted to train her on my methodologies of, of how I do tracking and stuff like that. So I brought her in to like train her up in the ways, but so I spent all of this past week just training on uh, pixel event and custom conversions and standard events and, and how to think through all those and why you would put a, a conversion event on a button versus a URL and what are the pros and cons of each of those and why would you choose one over another in, in a different situation. And um, if you don't have your tracking right, you can't win. I mean, it, it's like, it's like, let's see, it's like trying to find the empire state building in the middle of New York city with a blindfold on and no one's giving you directions. And you're just like, I hope I'll make it there eventually. Like, because when you turn on that Facebook ad, Facebook is Facebook is a like, like it's a brain surgeon. It is going for a specific objective. And so if you, it will do what you tell it to. And so if you don't know what you're telling it to do, it's going to do its very best to try. But oftentimes, without that proper tracking, without understanding how to set it up properly, it just is a hack job of what you're asking it to do. Um, and, and people can just bleed money where they don't need to. Like, for example, I, uh, I bought this product from one of, one of a good friend of mine, actually, who I, I saw an ad and I was like, okay, this is awesome. I love the ad. I'm going to go ahead and support, support it and purchase. And then after I purchased, I kept getting ads for the same product and it wasn't a product that you would want to consume again. You know, it wasn't, yep. it wasn't like a granola bar, right? Yep. This was a, this was a course. And I was like, okay, I don't need to buy more than one course. So I wrote them and I said, Hey man, I was like, you're, you're not excluding purchasers mm. from the thank you page. Take me off the list. Yeah. Yeah. You're not excluding your purchasers off of your cold ads. And so you're paying for me to see this ad all the time. Yeah. And there's no need. I already bought from you. So like, get me out of that audience. And by the way, and I bought off you already. I X'd out of it and said already purchased. So that, that also is damaging for your ad for the algo as well. And your costs are determined by that as well. I think you, you do a good, you do a good job there, Lysander, of explaining why analytics are important and, and how that, how that matters. And I just want to pull on that thread a little bit more for the listeners and for the viewers as well. For Yeah, let's people, do it. People might not have, have heard this stuff before because it, it's two technical geeky people here talking technical geeky stuff. Um, and what I want to do is just kind of bring it, boil it down a little bit to layman's terms to help people to understand. And I wanted to share ex an example of some of the things that I've been working on in the last couple of days. And so I'm working a, a new product with a really close friend of mine and I built a, a whole bunch of landing pages and we, we spent a whole day filming and about a week editing and it looks like a million bucks. It's the world's best offer. Um, funny enough, it's in the property space as well. I think you'd really love it. I'll show it to you if you like. Um, <laughs> or maybe not. Maybe you had your fingers burning that you don't like. I have PTSD. Don't, don't, don't let me near it. No, I'm just kidding. 
No, it's a, um, it's, it's a really, it's a really good product. So it's a mastermind is what we're, we're wanting people to come into. Uh, and the simplicity of what we've got going on is related to the advertising comes to a landing page and there's a video there and then there's a calendar booking there as well. And so some of the things that I've triggered in tag manager to measure are things related to how far people scroll. So did they scroll all the way to the bottom of the page so they could see the FAQs? So that's, that was one thing that I wanted to know because if they hadn't seen the FAQs, they hadn't scrolled all the way down there, then I can trigger it to show them an ad. So if they haven't scrolled to 75% of the page, then I'll show them another ad with some FAQ type stuff in there as well. So people don't realize how sophisticated Google Tag Manager is and how you can take those, that data and everything that's happening in Google and you can push it into any platform you want. You can push it into Facebook, into Instagram, into YouTube, and you can run audiences across those different things as well. And so some of the other things that I triggered in there is how much and how long somebody has watched the video. So the, we've got two videos, one for affiliates and one for actual clients. The affiliate video is about four minutes long. So most people get to about three and a half minutes before they're right. Oh, I got it. I'm good. And they make an appointment and, and they're on a call. And the other one, which is 20 minutes long, people are sticking around all the way to the very end of it, surprisingly, which is good news for us because people want to, uh, the way that we've crafted the presentation and the, I, I guess the micro webinar, if you like, it's more of a video sales letter than a webinar, but people are, are intrigued enough and we've got enough hooks in there to keep them interested, to keep them coming and sticking with it. So it's working. And then we've triggered, when somebody clicks on the calendar, but they haven't, they haven't filled in their details and haven't hit the submit button. So it's like an abandoned cart. So it's triggering a bunch of different things. And then I can show them a different ads like, Hey, come back and make your appointment. And Hey, come back and watch the rest of the video or Hey, don't forget that if you've got some questions, you can reach out here and here's some other things like that. And I don't think people realize the level of sophistication that Tag Manager is and the level of sophistication you can go to in your campaigns. And it's not really until you get to that level of detail, that micro level of detail that you really understand what's happening. And I see all the time, and I'd be interested to hear your comments on this. People put things like Hotjar or Mouseflow on their website and they're recording the screen and I have 500 people hit up against my website today from my paid traffic. And I'm looking at people, what are they clicking on? I can see the heat maps. I can see how many people are watching. I can see it all. And I look at all of that stuff and go, yeah, it's nice to see what user behavior is. But the reality is it's like trying to read tarot cards. Like it's subject to interpretation. And I found myself many times looking at heat maps and screen recordings of people on web pages thinking, that's just my opinion of what that person's doing. I don't know if that's a man or a woman, a, a, a child or, you know, someone old or someone young. I don't know anything about what's behind that mouse moving around the screen. So it's really dangerous to use things like heat maps and screen recordings versus using real data, meaning tag manager. Somebody clicked here, they added to cart, but they didn't check out. They added another product to, to cart. They saw the checkout, but they didn't see the thank you page. What are you going to do? How are you going to show them ads? Are you going to show them ads in the Google Display Network, in YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, some other platform, perfect audience? What is it? It's a really kind of interesting dynamic. And I'd be interested to hear your version of the kind of the layperson's idea about it because that's what you do. And, you know, I want, I want you to showcase your skill set here on the podcast so people connect with you. So go for it. Let's see what you got. Yeah. Well, I, I love that. And I love, I love the detail that you're, that you're tracking people's behaviors and that's, so important. I, I just started working with another, a new client just, just this week. And he was only, I mean, first of all, the fact that he had tracking in his funnel, like hooray for him, but, um, he was only tracking basic, basic behavior. You know, like did they, did they become a lead? Did they start the application? Did they finish the application? Like there was only re, there was really three standard Reasons. events, but there was nothing about how long did they, did they watch the VSL and, and, and his landing page is really short. So like there, there isn't, there isn't any need for like a, a scrolling event um, because there's like really nowhere to scroll. It's really just like, mm. do you want this training or not? Um, but the way that I look at it, Robert, is that I love like you are a quantitative guy through and through you're like man it, it's not hard data like doesn't i want matter. to know about it don't yeah. give me airy fairy theories of tarot cards and screen recordings they're exactly. nice i like the idea exactly of it, but no. and i 
I totally agree with you, but I am, I am going to give a caveat that's a little bit of a disagreement, and it's this. So um, even with only quantitative data, you still have to craft a story about what it means. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. Right? It's subject to interpretation. It's subjective. Because if I give you that data and I've got that data and I'm like, what did you, what did you see? You, and you go like that, I'll be like, no, nah, that's not. There'll be a disagreement yeah. because it's just yeah. subjective. Yep. Exactly. So in order to have another, and, th- and this is my academic background coming at, coming out, but in order to have that other angle to look at it, I, I actually love Hotjar. I don't like the heat map function, but I do love the screen recording function. Mm-hmm. And the reason is this, it gives you a qualitative view of what's going on. So you obviously, you can't make a decision about where you need to adjust a, this, the messaging off of one recording, but I love to watch 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, even up to a hundred recordings to see where are the patterns? Because if someone's getting stuck at one point, or let's say like you, you can see they're not stopping and they're just scrolling up and down mindlessly mm-hmm. looking for something, but they're not finding it. Like the quantitative statistics are not going to share that with you. Mm-hmm. And if you do both, if you have the quantitative statistics and your tracking is appropriate in the funnel, but then you can go and you can say, what are people actually experiencing? Where are they getting stuck? Where are they stopping and reading? Where are they clicking? Where are they scrolling back up to? Where do they bounce out of the page? All of those things can help you create a story that's not just based off of your ideas of what the statistics say, but based off of patterns that you're seeing actual users interact with on, on the page. Now it's not going to say change this word in the headline. It's not going to be like that, but it's going to say, Hey, people are getting caught up here. Like, so this is a sticky area that needs some adjustment that can improve your quantitative data, your statistics that you're looking at. If you address just this little section. So yeah. I totally agree with you hundred percent, but I also think that there's a, there's a place for that qualitative data. If you're looking at it on a more, um, macro multiple sample size view and not just like, Oh my gosh, that person bounced right there. I have to change that immediately. <laughs> that was actually the next, the next question that I had. Cause it's, um, <laughs> I work with so many clients over the years, right. And, uh, you, you create a web page and I love, I love what you said, by the way, about the screen recordings and it's a really good thing for UX and w- wondering whether your design is good or your copy is good or your headlines is good. Years ago, I would say to people, ah, that headline's terrible. That copy, we've got to fix that. We've got to tighten that up. You're using the word I, you should be using the word you. You is the most important word in copywriting, uh, all of this. And after, after hundreds and hundreds of these conversations with all the clients over the years, what I realized was that was all just my opinion. And why my opinion is based on experience and it's based on facts and things like that. At the end of the day, it's just my opinion. So what I used to say to people, and I still say it today because people ask me all the time, what about this headline, man? What do you think of this headline? It's like, well, yeah, it's pretty good. I I like it. Could it be better? Yeah, it can always be better. Things can always be better. Things can always be um, new and, and, uh, and fresh. But the reality is you never know unless you put the traffic there. So why don't we let the traffic decide actually whether that headline is good or it's bad? Yes. I Can you still hear me? Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. 110%. Yeah. You, and that, that really comes to, I mean, how we started this conversation in the beginning is like, if you're not listening to your market, then you have no business in being a business owner. Like it really is about the market and how they are responding to your stuff. And so, yeah, I have, I I brought another guy into my agency just this, just this week who I was like, okay, I'm trying to remember what question I asked him. I asked him, um, I said, okay, you have a number of customer archetypes that we could go after with ads. I don't like going after more than one archetype at once in an ad. It's just, it's bad. It's, it's, it's one way to bleed money. Mm. Um, but I said, so which one should we go after? And he said, well, what's your opinion? And I was just like, 
I, I don't know. Like, this is not my industry. This is your industry. Like you've been working with these people. You tell me like, what do the people demand? What are the, what, where's the low hanging fruit here? You know, and I had to ask him a series of questions and it became really clear what, what it needed to be. But at first he was very much like, well, I, you're the expert. I trust you. And I was just like, my expertise is not going to be able to say which customer archetype should we go after. It's interesting, right? It's my expertise. It's mine. It's mine. That's not the audience's expertise. Let the audience decide what the right headline is, what the right targeting is, what the right images are, what the right videos are. Try it, put it out there and see fail fast, get off it and then go to something else. Fail again, get off it. And then, okay, we've got a winner or then try and improve the winner and try and improve the winner again, fail fast, keep going. And, and that's just the method to use, right? Yeah, I totally, totally agree. Yeah, absolutely. Lisanne, it's been uh, a fun conversation. I'm sure two uh, advertising geeks like you and me could go at this for hours and hours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, really I'm, sure, I'm sure people are like, oh, man, these guys are snoozers. They're talking about <laughs> click-through rates and landing page conversions and all this stuff. Like, Well, I think yeah. we did a good job here yeah. highlighting to people that the advertising side of it, the actual platform and the execution of advertising is pretty easy to do. And you said it yourself. It's just a small part of, of what's going on. And, and, and I, I, would, I would put a number on that and say it's about 5% of the time. You know, working out what type of ad to run, putting an image in there, writing some copy and doing that. Yeah, that's important. And that can be tricky to do and stuff like that. But it's a mechanical process. It's the other 95% of psychology and the funnel and uh, the tracking that goes behind all of that that really, really matters. And I think you did a great job of showcasing your skill set here today. So I wanted to say thank you uh, for sharing and being so giving with the audience here. Oh yeah. It's my pleasure. Well, this is the kind of stuff that I geek out on and I love to teach it and I love to do it with, with clients and people that I'm working with. So it's, it's just been, it's been a pleasure talking the talk with you today. And I got to speak at a more at at a, at a deeper level with you than I do than I do most of the time. So that was fun. Awesome. Excellent. Well, I can't let you uh, leave the Go All In podcast without putting you in the Go All In podcasters hot seat. It's a little bit of fun to close out the show and uh, a couple of, uh, quick fire questions just to get to know you a little bit more before we let you go in this crazy time that we live in 2020 pandemic lockdowns, no travel. One of the things that kind of um, I'm missing is uh, travel. Uh, It's just been such an accessible thing for me my entire life. And even though I live a hundred meters from the beach, I still want to go travel and, and visit places in the world that I haven't seen before. And I always like to ask my guests, is there a favorite holiday destination that you have that I should put on my bucket list and dream about post pandemic? Oh man, that is such a good one. Um, let's see. I'll, I'll give, I'll give one, uh, more, more local and, and one abroad. So if you're, if you're coming to Utah, you have to go visit the parks in Southern Utah with the red rocks. I was going to oh say Utah must goodness. be the place to go, right? I've seen that so much in YouTube and that, and I've, I've seen a lot of things. Yeah. About that. It's beautiful. There's so much. I mean, we have, we have mountains, we yeah. have deserts, we have amazing rock structures in Southern Utah. It's absolutely incredible. Cool. Um, I would say something that's on my bucket list that I ha- actually haven't been here yet, but I want to, I want to go to Mykonos, Greece. That is, that is high on my bucket list. Um, Mediterranean sunsets over the water. Remember exactly. that romance stuff and holidays and vacations. Oh my God. Soon, soon. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Love it. Love it. Hey, Lisanne, what's a, uh, what's a skill that you're working on right now that you haven't quite mastered? Oh, um, I, I think in business wise, it would be messenger bots. I, I'm kind of getting deep into messenger bots and, and learning and figuring those out because I think they're a very, very powerful marketing tool. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of that, it would be in like my, my secular life, it's gardening. I've really gone into gardening yeah. this, the, the last couple of years and um, I've had a lot of success, but I've also had a lot of failure in my garden. And I didn't realize that you couldn't just like plant stuff and they would magically grow. Like you, there's actually like quite a science to having a great healthy garden. And so that has been quite the learning experience for me the last two summers. A lot of that is to do with timing, right? When you plant things and when you're watering things and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Where, where I've had the biggest struggle, struggle honestly, is keeping my soil healthy and full of nutrition. So my, my plants will grow up, but then right as they start to produce vegetables, 
it, they'll die. And, and I don't have enough nutrients in my soil cause it's newer soil. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I'm, I'm dealing with right now is how to keep nut- nutrition in my soil. That's kind yeah. of a fun, I love it. Fun it's thing. a pra- practical life school that you can have forever. Pass that one on right. your kids for sure. Absolutely. Hey, what's the, what's the best piece of business advice that you've ever received? Best piece of business advice I've ever received. That is a good question. I've gotten a lot of advice. That's for sure. I've, I've paid so much in coaching. Um, I am going to have to say, two, I'm going to say two things. One is one is, and we've talked about this a lot. So, and it's just kind of a theme today, but that is to listen to your market. You have to listen to your market and, and make, make your decisions based on what the market is saying. And then I would say that my second thing is to get out of your own way and figure out different ways to continue to stand up inside yourself, be the glorious being that you are capable of being and just be awesome. I think, I think we just, we have so much head trash always going on in our minds about what we can and can't do. And uh, we just, we need to get over ourselves and, and get out there and do it. And so, um, like learning to get out of my own way is, is, has been a big one. It's been a big, big I love it. I love it. That is absolutely fantastic advice. Lisanne, if people wanted to connect with you and learn more about your business, the Midas Touch and what it is that you do, how, what's the best way to do that? Yeah. So there's a, there's a, there's, uh, there's two main ways, I guess I, I would say one is, so I have a free Facebook group, which first of all, I just want to say thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about this stuff. So one is I have a free Facebook group. It's called Facebook ads for coaches, course creators, and lifestyle brands. It's not a sexy name, but I'm not going for sexy. I'm going for SEO on the, on the Facebook platform. So, um, would love to have you join us there. We talk about mostly about paid ads and, and with, with, with advertising there, but I also promote my podcast there. And so you'll get more general marketing there also. So my, and then the other thing is, is my podcast. So uh, my podcast is the marketing matrix and that is the hub of all of the content and the center of all the content that I create. And so um, you can find that at the marketing matrix podcast.com or at, at my group, you can go to facebook.com slash groups slash FB ad ninja because we're known as ad ninjas in that group. So exactly. I watched the yeah, video. So, so I know what uh, that so those, was. Those are the, <laughs> yeah, I was impressed. That's very, very impressive. So yeah. And then of course, follow me on Facebook, hit me up on Instagram. My business page is Lisanne Murphy HQ. Um, but the Facebook group and the podcast are where the most value is. So Okay, fantastic. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this as a podcast, just take a little peek at your phone and all of the links to Lisanne's socials and to her website are going to be right there. And if you're watching this on YouTube, just scroll on down and it's right there in the show notes for you as well. So you don't have to go poking around in Google for it. Lisanne Murphy, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you and chat with you for an hour here on the Go All In podcast. I wanted to give you the, the final opportunity for some parting wisdom for the parting shot. What have you got for us? Oh, wow. Well, I, I just love that you're, you're always asking the great and the hard questions uh, that are important for, for us to, to be thinking about. Um, the, the parting wisdom, I, I think that, you know, with, with something that I've been thinking a lot about is how to make what I am creating more permanent, which I'm thinking about it a lot in terms of, because Facebook, like if you've, if you've run any Facebook ads, the platform and its UX, these algorithms, they change constantly. (laughs) It's one of the biggest reasons why I don't have a Facebook ads course yet, because if I did, I would spend my entire life going and updating it. And so, so I, so I don't have a course for that reason. Um, I, I have a, a bunch of other offers, but, um, because right now my jam is Facebook ads, but I also recognize like I was not put on this earth to run Facebook ads. Like, I mean, I'm good at it, but it's, it's not like my, my absolute, absolute call in life. And so I'm always trying to figure out how can I create something that's more permanent that isn't like if, if Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook get zapped and if that platform, and maybe not if, but when, and like when, when the next social media platform comes and is like the next tycoon, like that I don't just dissolve into nothingness, 
right? That like I can, I, so I, so I'm always looking for ways to, um, learn things and implement and teach things that are more permanent. And so I think, I think for your advice, like, yes, you need to be aware of the trends and understand like what, what people are needing and wanting. But if you can create something that has more staying power and isn't just a fad, but is a foundation, that is how you're going to set yourself up for long-term success. That is how you're going to not be one of those statistics that we talked about in the beginning that falls off in just a couple of years. And that's how you're really going to make a lasting impact in people's lives because they'll identify with your message because it's, it's foundational. It's not just like, yeah, well, that's, that's a cool gimmick. That's a cool trick, or that might work for you, but that doesn't work for me. Mm. But something that is, that is more foundational, universally applicable. That's something that I'm, that I'm thinking about a lot right now. Fantastic. And, and great advice, seeking something more permanent as well and running with the trends at the time where you got them, capitalize on them and look for something more permanent. That's, that's great advice. So Sam Murphy, thank you again for coming on the Go All In podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. We look forward to speaking with you soon. It's bye for now. Well, there you have it, folks. If you want to connect with Lisanne, just take a little peek at your phone and all of the links to her website and socials are right there. And if you're watching this on YouTube, just scroll on down and the details are right below in the show notes as well. So you're not going to have to go digging around in Google for them. I've made it nice and easy and it's handy there for you. If you're just getting started in business online, you're going to need a bit of a hand. There's absolutely no question about that. The internet is an amazing place, as you know. But there's so much information out there and it can be really hard to cut through all the noise and to really know who to trust. Learning to trust your intuition is part of creating an online business and going all in on lots of things at once is part of the course as well. And if you want to give yourself the best possible opportunity to succeed, then you need to get your mindset right. Motivation is going to get you started, but it's discipline and a plan that will keep you going. And I've created a masterclass that will help you to stay on track and close the gap from where you are to where you want to be faster than you ever thought possible. And I'd like to invite you to come on over and find out some more. Just visit goallin.com.au forward slash masterclass. That's goallin.com.au forward slash masterclass. Now, if you've got a message or some feedback for the show, you can reach out via the Go All In socials or you can send me an email at any time. Just visit goallin.com.au to find out more. Well, that wraps it up for the show today. So whatever it is that you're working on, whatever you're doing, get busy, get to it and go all in. I'll see you next time. See you.